Welcome to the Net Zero Investor Podcast. I'm Ethan Devitt, and with me today is Noir Al-Sadi, Senior Portfolio Manager, ESG Investing at Canada Post. And we're going to be discussing engagement as a strategy for driving net zero and sustainability agendas. The views expressed herein are Noir's personal views and do not represent those of his employer or any other organization. Engagement has long been a favorite tool for institutional investors in order to drive ESG and net zero agendas. However, it seems that the success rate remains low, and statistics suggest that only 25% of engagements are actually successful. Today, Noir is going to give us his perspectives on the factors and models necessary for engagement to be a success. We're going to be exploring how engagement can move from a glossy narrative-led exercise to become much more rigorous and a risk management tool, and how it can drive tangible impacts in terms of dollars, pounds, and euros allocated. Well, let's kick off, Noir. What are the key problems with engagement as you see it today? Um, I actually struggle with answering this question because there are a lot of problems we can uh, talk about, but I'll try to limit it to, um, to a couple that I think are critical. I think the biggest challenge we have today, it's, it's one of framing. Engagements today are undertaken as if they are business conversations, open-ended business conversations. And they do have value. They do give you information. There is a role to talk with companies around their sustainability, but that's not truly what would render engagements effective in the sense that if you frame a conversation as open-ended, you don't have a specific time frame around it. You don't have a specific ask. And if you don't get what you want, you will not necessarily do much after that. The way I look at it is we have to look at engagement as a risk management exercise, the same way you look at financial risk management. And if you look at it from that perspective, obviously, the way you tackle it and the approach you take to engage with companies would be radically different. We can also look at it as an impact management exercise, which will, again, take you to the same place where you need to have far more rigor and far more focus on results. Another issue we have is a general lack of resources. Engagements are highly complex. In most cases, investors are asking companies to radically change their business models. But if you approach a company, a large, for example, international conglomerate, and ask them to become net zero, you have to understand what the financial implications are, what the business implications are, what's the impact on the balance sheet. The whole business proposition may change in terms of the attractiveness of this business. So Asset owners and asset managers don't have the capacity to do that kind of analysis. They do have, in most cases, junior level analysts looking at hundreds of companies, and they would identify maybe one or two issues through a framework. But that doesn't go deep enough to have a conversation that really touches on that fundamental transformation. So we need more resources. And actually, to underpin this point, today, spending on ESG data is only $1 billion a year compared to $35 billion that the finance industry spends on financial data. So that shows you to how little actually money is spent on such a critical transformation of our economy. I guess I'll stop here in terms of challenges, but uh, you know, we can kind of branch out in other areas as we speak. I want to just pick up on some of those points. It's fascinating. You mentioned that it is an open-ended business conversation. And my sense is maybe it's framed that way because there's a great focus on the collaboration aspect of engagement and a sense that if we are friendly, perhaps collaborators, that there might be a more open dialogue. Do you think that's probably driving some of this open-ended, friendly nature of it? The ex-French president, the late French president, Charles de Gaulle, he used to, talking about the relationship between countries, he said, when it comes to countries, there are no friendships, there are only interests. 
And I guess it's the same concept that should apply here when it comes to relationships between investors and companies. These are financial interests. They do tie back to fiduciary responsibilities. It's good to have a cordial, constructive relationship with your investee companies. But at the end of the day, if you see a significant risk coming over the horizon and you don't manage that risk with the assertiveness that you are expected to manage that risk, then you are potentially violating your fiduciary duty because it's a yes or no question in a way. Either a company is managing for climate risk, for example, or not managing for climate risk. So partnership would work as long as the management team at the board is actually addressing that risk. But what happens when they don't address that risk? How could you have a partnership with an entity that is causing harm to the environment and potentially undermining the value of that investment? At some point, you become complicit. If you talk about a partnership with companies that are not improving their climate performance. Well, let's talk about how we can make engagement more effective then, because clearly it's actually a lot of the stakeholder demands now, the institutional investor side, they're demanding to see effective engagement. They're demanding to see results. Sometimes that's not always captured by whether a resolution passes or not. I mean, sometimes there can be progress that doesn't get measured in that way. So how can we measure this better? So that takes me back to this earlier comment I mentioned around data spending. So obviously, we need to invest significantly more resources in data. And I mean, we do put a lot of pressure on companies to disclose, but there's a lot of sustainability data that we can obtain from external sources. Actually, a lot of large ESG data providers don't get their information in terms of corporate ESG performance from looking at the company's own disclosure. They get it from external sources. What that means, it means that Investors don't have to sit and wait for disclosure. They can invest to get additional information and they can build metrics to engage around and measure these metrics before engagement, during engagement, post-engagement, and compare them to historical trends. There's a certain science to it. If you are engaging with companies around certain quantitative factors, you have to tie these factors to the performance of the company. You have to convert them into financial factors. And then you have to model and track and manage this the same way you would manage any financial factor. If you're looking at profit margin of a given company, you would track it, compare it, you would benchmark it. That's the way engagement should be pursued. These are not social conversations. They have to be built around specific risk pillars. And if we don't have that mindset, then we create the illusion of risk management, not the actual risk management. I think it's fascinating to talk about engagement as a risk management tool. So can we get a little bit more specific about how it is a risk management tool and how we should use it in this context? The way I'd like you to think about this, so let's say one of the companies you hold in your portfolio is going to violate its debt covenants, and you are a portfolio manager, stock price is diving, and you need to do something. Either the management team has to kind of step in and take action and make sure that they are not going to violate these debt covenants, or you will exit that position at some point because you're not going to go ride the company all the way till it files bankruptcy. When it comes to financial risk, asset managers and owners and professionals in this industry are very apt at managing these risks. This, actually, this is why they get paid. They get paid to understand these risks, to see them, to capture them, to value them, to react to them. But if we look at a company that is violating its carbon budget, we don't have that sense of urgency. What we do have is a conversation around a potential commitment that maybe at some point in 20 years, 30 years, they'll cut their emissions. I'll give you an example of how this current model is not working, tied back to risk. If you look at Climate Action 100, I mean, admittedly, the largest climate engagement initiative undertaking ever, 
It's backed by 700 asset managers and owners. They have 60 or $70 billion that stand behind them. They've been engaging for five years with 166 critical companies when it comes to GHG emissions operating in material sectors. What do we see when it comes to capital spending tied to these companies' commitment to net zero or to better climate performance? We see that zero of these companies have actually aligned their capital spending with their climate commitments, and only 5% have partially aligned their capital spending with their climate commitment. And what that tells me is that there's a lot of talk, but there's very little money actually going to address that risk in a fundamental way. Now, if this was a risk management exercise, you're not going to see that capex at zero. Because in this case, it means for the last five years, you have done nothing and you've just ridden that risk. And you would not do that if it was a true risk management exercise. And let's talk about resources. You mentioned there not being enough resources, perhaps um, attached to engagement, only a fraction of what's attached to other gathering other risk metrics. But clearly, many asset managers, as well as their engagement partners, have really started arming themselves for a new, perhaps, wave of engagement. And we see massive growth in these institutions. However, asset management is also an industry with tighter margins, perhaps today, pressure on fees. How do we do it all? How do we both add to the resources necessary and still maintain a kind of a meaningful business model when it comes to these engagers? Does it come through scale and collaboration, perhaps having the same engagers represent multiple investors or investment houses? How are we going to solve for that? Because essentially, there's not a bottomless pit for engagement resources. That takes me into the direction of what are the solutions to address this? One of the challenges we're having is we're trying to overlay what I would call an analog business model over a digital business model or over a digital transformation, or in this case, a sustainability transformation of our economy. So when it comes to managing ESG risk, we're just trying to use what we have, our existing toolkit. Here's an analyst. Now they're going to learn about ESG. And now part of their toolkit, they'll be talking to companies around their ESG risks. And it will somehow seamlessly mesh and work with current structures. We have to think about new structures. When I think about new structures, I think about something I've written about recently. I call shadow boards or shadow board engagements. And what I mean by a shadow board is a group of asset managers and owners pooling resources to have a group of sustainability experts, industry experts, and business experts working together to analyze sectors and key companies and then engaging with them from that standpoint, taking that work of that expert group and engaging with the cement sector, engaging with the airline sector. So instead of having a group of junior analysts working for you, trying to find out what is wrong, and then you kind of surface that to a senior engager and you talk to these companies, you actually do this in a different way. You build new entities using pooled resources that have the, actually the capability to engage at a strategic level because you can't go to companies and tell them, I want you to upend your business, but I don't understand what the outcome would be five, 10 years from now, or even two years from now. So that kind of thinking, in my opinion, we need more of that. I mean, there are other ways to think about engaging. There's something I call holistic or integrating engagement, where you don't just engage with a single asset class, but you use your engagement resources to engage with multiple asset classes at once, using your kind of public engagement nod as a way to engage with other companies through the supply chain. And an example I often use, and something I actually did implement here at Canapos, is Caterpillar. We do have a large real estate portfolio, over $3 billion in assets. We're focusing on new builds. 
what we don't have way to engage with a private portfolio. So one way to decarbonize this portfolio was to engage with Caterpillar that we own on the public side so we could get that company to commit to decarbonizing their product line and committing to net zero. And ultimately, that transformation of Caterpillar flows back to our private real estate investment and infrastructure investment. So that kind of way also amplify the existing capabilities, which are now being used in silos, where the private team engage with the private assets and the public team engage with the public assets and so on. Really fascinating. But now I can see that if we do stop with the open-ended conversations and start applying more rigor and more metrics and start measuring effective engagement more closely, we are going to increasingly have more companies that trip up in terms of not meeting these engagements because they're more clear lines in the sand. What happens then? Do we have to be more ready to perhaps cut ties, to abandon, to divest? What would you suggest if it's clear that this engagement is not meeting metrics and not working? So I'll take it back to the whole premise of ESG. If ESG or climate risks are real financial risks, this question would not differ from any question you would have with a company that is failing in, its, in terms of its revenue growth or lacking in terms of its competitiveness or potentially is having too much debt on the balance sheet. Each investment strategy would have a kind of criteria whether they would include that company in it or not. It might be totally feasible to have companies that are underperforming from a sustainability portfolio on a kind of segregated or excluded portfolio of laggards that you would deploy maybe additional engagement resources or different tools such as what I call a sustainable shareholder activism, which I wrote about in 2020 and actually engine number one pursued with Axon in last year where you will be a bit more assertive, where you say with this class of companies, I'll be pulling again resources with other shareholders and we nominate people to the board and we will, it becomes almost like a special situation investing. Goes back to that framing. If it is financial risk, you have to look at your risk tolerant. And if the financial risk is too large because the metrics do convert in the ESG metrics convert in significant financial risk and it's not aligned with the premise of that fund, then you obviously should not hold that company. Absolutely fascinating. And any final words to add in terms of the future of engagement? Like many other definitions in ESG, this is a dynamic definition, which is evolving as our tools are evolving and as our expectations, and I suppose as the urgency of these matters is increasingly being dialed up. How do you see engagement looking, perhaps, if you could put your crystal ball in front of you now, five to 10 years time? Well, you know, funny enough, Evan, you mentioned that because I just earlier today, I published a post on my LinkedIn where I mentioned, I said, it's time to create Climate Defense 100 Plus and explain what that is. I'm basically saying the companies being engaged by asset managers and asset owners should join together to create a mechanism to engage back with asset managers and asset owners around their own climate capex, around their own resources in terms of having talent that could actually help these companies find solutions. So I think engagement is going to evolve over time into a more collective, holistic conversation between investors and the corporates rather than the ad hoc multi kind of requests coming from different investors to different companies at different times. It will become more sector-based, more coalition-based on the engaged as much as it is with the engager. Because to your point, we have very narrow resources, very thin resources. It's very expensive. So one way to manage that expense is to coalesce in groups. So, and I think that's where we're heading over the longer term. And not only that, do you see maybe that we will have fewer dedicated ESG teams that essentially all of the investment teams will embed ESG risk within them as they do any other risk when it comes to investing? May it not be that we need additional resources, we just need 
differently trained resources. I agree with this point to the extent that you're still hiring additional investment professionals in that case, because if you're going to add 30%, 40% more data points for an investment professional to take in consideration as they assess companies, then they may not be able to manage the same number of companies or analyze the same number of companies. So ultimately, yes, when it comes to ESG integration, I think this will be fully integrated with fundamental analysis. But as you expand that analytical pie, you need to expand the number of analysts and portfolio managers managing these investments. Of course, you can use technology to a large extent to help you streamline and, and analyze this data in a more efficient way. But I think doing it with the same headcount will not be a viable approach. So there is an added cost to sustainability. But ultimately, if and when we talk about costs, we should never forget on the other end, we are making the planet better, we are reducing long-term risk, and ultimately potentially driving better, more sustainable long-term returns that will offset the investment we're making in the capacity to manage this risk. One way that many institutional investors frame this argument is as a very strict binary engagement or divestment approach. It seems that you see things much more as a spectrum of uh, different ways of engaging. Let's just go to one extreme, though, a pure divestment approach. Do you think that that achieves anything? Empirical research shows that it does not achieve much, that it's very hard to impact the cost of capital to a degree that it will change the behavior of companies, because obviously there's always a less scrupulous capital that kind of move in. And so I don't believe this to be a viable strategy, but that doesn't justify in itself a passive approach to managing these issues. It does obviously mean that if you continue to hold that equity, then you do need to address that risk. Now, divestment could work in a limited way if you don't want to have direct risk and you don't want to assume it, you don't want to manage it, you don't have the capacity to manage it, you may for tactical reasons divest, but as a strategy to drive sustainability, it's not a viable strategy. No, and of course, not just tactical reasons, there may be reputational reasons on the line for certain investors withholding. So that may be a risk management strategy in its own right. My last question around engagement is whether passive managers can credibly do that. It's often been thought that engagement is essentially an active management strategy, but increasingly we see large passive managers with the resources and scale to be able to do this with, of course, the clout that their large size brings. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think engagement obviously is a key lever for passive investors to pursue engagement. And if we conclude that divestment ultimately won't change much when it comes to sustainability, then the fact that they don't have the capability to exit certain positions is actually is not an issue in the sense that you do have to continue to own these companies and manage these risks. A lot of these passive managers are gigantic in size. I mean, they manage trillions of dollars and they do have a voice and they could pressure companies to perform better. But again, it's not about incremental performance improvement. It's about fundamental business improvement. And that means going back to the discussions we had over the last 20, 30 minutes is that thinking about how could even a passive manager be part of more innovative ways to engage with companies. The point here I think that we need to think about is that engagement is an important tool. It's just the way it is deployed the manner in which it is measured or conducted or people are trained to undertake it needs to evolve. And I think systematic or passive asset managers, part of that conversation, and actually they are most concerned. I mean, they really do need to find ways to make engagements work because you go back to your just earlier point about reputation. 
they're going to be part and they're going to own companies that will undermine their perception. And they just can't continue to publish stewardship reports saying we're talking to these companies. At some point, they have to show outcomes and these outcomes have to translate on actual impact on the performance of these companies that is measurable outside of the companies themselves. So I think it's a critical piece of ESG integration and there is room for additional innovation. Well, thank you so much, Nawar. This has been a fascinating look at the current state of engagement, how it needs to improve, ways in which it can, and perhaps what it will look like in the future. We have covered a lot of ground and I wanted to thank you for bringing these creative and innovative ideas to this arena because that's really what's going to push change. And it's only when we push change that we're going to push effectiveness and start seeing some results. So thank you very much for sharing your insights here. Thank you, Efin. Always a pleasure talking to you and it's been a pleasure to be a part of this 